I'm Charlotte. And I'm Helly, and welcome to Growth in Progress, the fortnightly podcast where we have open and honest conversations about things that aren't usually discussed, but that can help us all to grow. Each fortnight, we get together and have a quick discussion about what we've been up to, then share some recommendations on the things we've been loving, and then we go on to discuss something that we feel is really relevant to right now, and that will help us to just improve ourselves and grow that little bit more. So, I feel like this catch-up is quite a big one, because we're now recording in the same time zone for the first time in, what, 14 months? You're back! I cannot believe it. I am back in the UK. It honestly it feels so so weird and also for people that follow me on Instagram this is not news but for people that listen to the podcast I've not just picked up my life in Australia and done all of this in a two-week period it was kind of an ongoing thing in the background for several weeks before but obviously with the international travel situation we weren't even sure if we'd be able to get on a flight which is why we haven't spoken about it in previous episodes or because it was just so uncertain but I have been back in the UK now for three weeks almost. I had to do two weeks of quarantine, which I did out in the countryside, which I think was a nicer quarantine experience than probably what a lot of people have where they have to stay in a hotel room for two weeks. Um, But now I'm back in Nottingham in the UK, which is madness. I can't believe how how much has changed, changed in less than a month. I know it's mad because we pre-recorded the last episode. Um, and obviously I knew you were coming back, but, and I know it's not anything like what you'd planned. Like, Jesus, for all the plans that have gone wrong this year, like, this is the biggie, let's be honest. <laughs> um, but selfishly, I'm quite pleased you're in the UK, although it did scupper our plans to meet socially distantly, but um, with all the new restrictions. But we're in the same time zone, and I'm seeing that as a win for now. Like, Yeah, it's, I mean, it's definitely been it's strange to go from really strict restrictions and then come back to also restrictions here but it is not it's not strict in the UK at all I know obviously it's having a massive impact on people here especially businesses and jobs and livelihoods but coming from Melbourne things here are so much more lax I cannot believe it I mean the fact that we can go for a walk without a mask the fact that we can go further than five kilometers from our house is still such a novelty to me it's unbelievable having been in those restrictions for six months in Melbourne I feel like I have so much freedom back here in the UK it's it's unbelievable it's just (sighs) so different so you get your cat back as well like oh it's 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 been a uh a labor of of love trying to make the cat like me again because he's wary at the best of times and now He's kind of friends with me, but usually if there's a promise of food, so he'll be nice to me if I'm going to give him something to eat. But no, I'm very, very happy to be back to see my family. And they're all here this weekend. My brother's home for a bit as well. So it's nice to spend time with them. And the cat is here. And yeah, it's it's been really nice to be back. And hopefully I can see see you guys and other friends and family from a appropriate social distanced gathering of some sort. But Anyway, how are you? What have you been up to? Um, God, I feel like these past three weeks, like I don't even really remember what's happened. I had a week off work and I feel like this is going to sound like such a Debbie Downer. But the reason I'm saying it is because I think it's really important. Um, so I took a week off work because I was on the verge of being just totally burnt out. Like I think a lot of people are. And I think I naively went into the week thinking, oh, I'll have a week off work. The following week, I'll feel brilliant. I'm going to feel on top of the world. And by the Saturday night, like I'd had the week and it was the weekend before I was going back to work. And I was like, I feel just as bad as I did when I stopped working. And it wasn't that I had been really busy in my week off. I'd had a really lovely week off, actually. We went to a couple of National Trust places, a lot of time outside, um, really chilled, like a really gorgeous week off. Yeah. But I think I just was a bit naive thinking that I could undo the attrition of the past, what, seven months in a week. Um, and I'm saying it because I know I'm probably not the only one who's feeling like this right now. And actually what I've realised and what I've tried to do in the past kind of like week following my week off is actually have a harder look at my lifestyle and go, well, I'm not gonna I can't take several months off work to try and get back to how I normally feel neither do I particularly want to or think that's necessarily the right approach for me right now um 
but the past kind of other week has very much been like right bedtime routine and trying to exercise and eating more vegetables and all of those things because I think we're now all heading into we're heading into a winter of this and I think all of that kind of like sunniness of oh well at least it's sunny outside and I don't want to say novelty because I think that um, almost sounds like a trivializing the situation which I'm definitely not but the novelty of it has worn off um yeah it's been a bit of an odd couple of weeks for sure like it's been nice to spend more time indoors and relaxing and taking things a bit slower but I actually read an article if I can find it I can't remember I read it I don't think I saved it to my pocket app which is criminal um (laughs) I'll leave it links it's really interesting and it was talking about why all of a sudden or seemingly all of a sudden so many people feel burnt out and exhausted and how the mind copes with um, tragedy or um, massive upheaval and how you only have a reserve of like a five to six months to get through a crisis before your brain is like, nah, I've got nothing left in the tank. Uh, I don't know if it was the same article. It doesn't sound exactly the same, but I read one really recently about how uh, it was basically talking about like yeah the long term mental impact of yeah. of this pandemic and it was saying that the human like change for humans is generally a good thing but humans only have a certain level of capacity to deal with like, the constant uncertainty and upheaval of change like so if you start a new job or if you move house like it's a stressful time but the human is really like adapted to cope with it for i don't know a few weeks or a couple of months but the uncertainty of how long this has lasted and the constant changes like the human brain like the psyche is just not built to withstand it for this prolonged period of time no and I think and I was thinking about this the other day too like we see it all the time like our escapism right now is and I guess this is a bit popcorn the kettle black so if people are using the podcast to escape we're also now discussing it but you see it on the tv when you turn on the news you can't walk down the street without seeing people in masks and nothing is normal and whilst I don't think that we should be walking around without masks on and we should be kind of like pretending like everything's normal it's kind of like sitting there lingering in the background isn't it like this little little shadow in the back or not so little shadow in the background and I can't escape it I have just kind of thought right and for anyone else who is feeling similar and it's like I don't know how to get out of this kind of burnout state I mean having some decent trying to get a decent night's sleep and eating well and trying to move a little bit even if it's not like a full workout literally 10 minutes a day I'm trying to trying to take that approach because it ain't gonna change anytime soon sadly yeah unfortunately but I've been doing similar and I know that you'll appreciate this since being back and I'm no longer living out of a backpack I've re-established my skincare routine I'm very and- proud it makes me so happy. Like in the evenings, I just look forward to applying the multiple layers of things that will make my skin look better. It's pretty dire right now, I'm not going to lie. But yeah, it is just those small things. And I've been trying to do just like a little YouTube video workout or a yoga workout, just 10 minutes. And it does, I really do think it makes a difference. Yeah, because I think at the start of lockdown, everyone was like, oh, self-care all the time, loads of exercise. Then most of us kind of lost the momentum and now I'm like, I was doing three or four bar classes a week. I've got to do that again. I'm like, I don't have it in me. But actually, if you're not doing anything and you suddenly do 10 minutes, it's better than not doing it at all. Like this idea you have to be at the perfect workouter. Definitely not a word, but anyway. <laughs> I think it just holds I mean, back. it's just actually not, it's also not good for you physically to go from doing nothing to forcing yourself into like a 40 minute workout like your your body needs to adapt to it slowly <laughs> don't force yourself to go on a 40 minute run if you've not run for months <laughs> I feel like you're talking to me directly rather than more generally right now <laughs> no I mean genuinely not but I'm pleased that it speaks to you but well this is exactly what me and Taylor did like when we were really good with working out in the first lockdown and then the second one came and we kind of let it slip by the wayside so we went back to running and we were running around like the cricket oval near our house. And we would each day we would do one more lap more. And anyway, Taylor's knees were an absolute nightmare. My ankle and my hip were an absolute nightmare. And then we couldn't do anything. And then we looked into it. And it turns out that you shouldn't be uh, increasing 
the amount that you're running by that amount each each day it's not healthy it's not good for your joints when they've not used any impact and then now you're running like five kilometers that's not a it's not healthy apparently (laughs) (laughs) who knew we don't do things by halves (laughs) (laughs) exactly i do think we are struggling at the moment and you're not the only one um and there are this is the other thing i'm trying to get back to that mindset of like the little things that are bringing me joy um, which actually, unintentionally, that leads perfectly onto my first recommendation, if you don't mind me just segueing in there. Yep, go for it. So I actually think you recommended this ages ago, um, but I think you recommended it on your Instagram. Um, and it's an app and it's called Presently. And it's a gratitude yes. app. So each day you sit down and you pop in one or basically as many things as you like that you're grateful for in that day. And you can set a reminder on your phone it like as a push notification for it to remind you each day to do it so I like to do it when I get into bed in the evening it's also a little kick to say you should be in bed by now um and of course you can do this with like a notepad and a pen and that's what I did for ages if you like don't want any screens in the evening but I found that I'd got into quite a bad habit of getting into bed and scrolling through Instagram so I still go to pick up my phone whereas if I have this to do it's like a nicer thing to do and yeah. We all know that practicing gratitude can be really valuable, but it's definitely helped me in the past couple of weeks just to focus on the little things that maybe I would otherwise um, overlook. Like, oh, actually, my smoothie this morning tasted really great, or um, I had a really nice catch up with someone on the phone. Like, the really little things, I think, yeah. are how we're going to have to keep finding joy for a while. Yeah, I, I do the exact same. Mine has a little push notification when I get into bed. And it's really nice to just like look back on your day, reflect a bit more, I guess, mm. living in the present as well. Yeah, I think especially at the moment, it's easy to go, God, that was such a horrible day. And it might have been a really horrible day. But if you can just find one tiny thing that was nice, like even just a quick moment, it refra- you go to bed having reframed the day, which is just so yeah. it's much nicer way to finish your day. Yeah, definitely. What have you been loving? So I think we've spoken about Elizabeth Day before. I think you recommended yeah. her book. And yeah, I've not read during... her book. I think in one of our like bumper recommendation ones, I recommended an episode of Jamie Lang. Ah, oh, okay. Because I have been absolutely loving her podcast, How to Fail, while I've been in quarantine and there was no Wi-Fi in quarantine. Um so I was a little bit limited with my mobile data and podcasts were my best friend. And I actually started listening to, um, she's on season nine now and her podcast is called How to Fail. And she basically has um, public figures or famous people on and they they come onto her podcast to to basically celebrate the things that haven't gone right and how they actually taught those people to succeed better. So the one that I listened to most recently was with Nadia Hussein, who I absolutely yeah. love anyway. I love her. And I love her. Yeah, and she, I mean, she, I know she talks openly about mental health and the struggles that she had, especially on Bake Off um, with anxiety. Um, but she was speaking more generally about her failure to enjoy life. And I think it goes back to that, like not living in the moment. And her just, she was talking about how obviously she achieved so much and everyone kept saying to her, oh, but you, you've won Bake Off and you've done this, you've done that. You should be so happy. And like her, the pressure that she felt to feel a certain way and actually that stopped her from just enjoying those small things in life. And she talks about um, her failure to finish university as well, um, which I feel like is is really relevant and really useful for for that kind of mindset that people think university is the only way to go when it's not hearing her talk about it was really, really interesting. And also um, she spoke about her failure to speak out on issues that she realized were important for a public figure to tackle and um, how she now talks more openly about race and identity and the issues that we face as a country and how that's kind of a Mm. failure of her own self-awareness and hearing her talk about it, she does it in such a relatable, friendly way. Like she's such a lovely person, but it also really, really spoke to me and it was really interesting. So I definitely, if you haven't listened to Elizabeth Day's podcast, I really recommend it. But also that episode with Nadia is a really great listen. 
That sounds really interesting. I think there's one as well with, um, my God, what's his name? Alistair Campbell, that's who it's with. And regardless of your political views, I'd really recommend going and listening to it because he talks really openly about um, that similar thing of like being a public figure and the pressure of that. And also really openly about addiction and the issues he's faced with mental health. And I just... I find that podcast a real breath of fresh air because I don't think we talk about our failures enough and how failing at something isn't necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, I totally agree. I think there's, I mean, I always see quotes about it and it maybe it's a bit of a cliche, but I do think you have to fail to succeed. Yeah, I think definitely. that's part of like the learning, the learning process. And although it does feel horrible to fail, that's how, that's how you improve and you learn. And hearing these people mm-hmm. who are in a public position or they're famous or what they've still gone through failures and they've still experienced things which are that that we have as well and it it feels more normal and hearing people who are in the public eye speak about it will hopefully I think normalize that it is okay to fail and it can often lead to a stepping stone onto something even better yeah when I look back now and think of things that at the time I thought I'd failed at I'm now grateful because they've kind of pushed me towards something else yeah. And at the time, all I could see is it as a negative, but I don't, I think it comes with perspective and time for sure. But I think if we approach things with like failing isn't the worst thing that can happen. I think it's one of those, up. it's like a nuance of everything happens for a reason, which I really hate. But I think if you break down that, like mm. fa- failure happens so you can learn from it and go on to the next thing or another opportunity that presents itself I think that's one of the nuances of everything happens for a reason that yeah. it's it is a learning curve and I know we've spoken about it in episodes before um and I do think normalizing it being spoken about is is such the right thing to do because we have this weird habit of teaching I feel like especially teaching children I felt like I was really drummed into me in school that you had to be perfect and you had to be a high achiever and I think if you grow up with this mindset that failure is bad it's really really unhealthy for you later in life a hundred percent and I guess as well like if you fail at something the failure doesn't become any less painful or uncomfortable just because you don't like it and you don't take anything from it it's almost like that's a static thing. So at least if you can take a lesson from it or, and it doesn't have to be immediately, but if you can take a lesson from it at some point, it's not all been in vain. Yeah, definitely. Um, What's your second recommendation this week? I have a book and it's a book that's been everywhere and rightly so. Um, It's Matt Haig's latest book. And I know we've spoken about him a few times on the podcast I know we recommended one of his poems he wrote about um, the beach and it relates like body positivity and self-acceptance a couple of maybe it was it wasn't this summer it must have been last summer um it was quite a while ago but I really like his work and he is a great person to follow on the internet because he kind of just cuts through the bullshit um and he writes fiction and non-fiction but his latest release is a fiction book called the midnight library and it is the perfect autumn read like if you want escapism fiction but you want it to have a bit more like bite to it like it's not one of those like fluffy kind of oh you know not a lot to it books like it makes you think but it's really charming and it's about a woman who um tries it's like a trigger warning it is it does relate to mental health but it it's a woman who tries to commit suicide um and she lands in this midnight library which is like a halfway point between life and death and she's handed this book with all of her regrets from her entire life and she can go back and basically undo the regret and live that life and if that life is one that she feels completely at peace with she can stay there and live there um but there's kind of a time pressure on it and other factors as well and so she goes back and kind of tries to write these regrets she thinks she has, like, you know, my life would be better if I'd written a book, my life would be better if I'd been a pop star, all of these kinds of things. And you kind of get to the end of the book and you really get the point that there's very little point in regretting lots of things because when she goes back to some of these places and she writes the regret, as it were, um, it doesn't mean she's happier and it doesn't mean that everything's perfect. And I think there's a real theme this week, isn't there, about living in the moment. Um, 
think especially at the moment we can sit there and go oh I wish I had you know I wish I had quit my job last year when I wasn't very happy or I wish I had oh I, I wish I'd done this or I wish I'd lived abroad or whatever it is even really little things like oh I wish I hadn't said that to someone it kind of points out that you can't change it and if you do change it it doesn't mean that all of your problems will be solved and actually it's about how you frame your life that's really important and I just finished it and it felt like a hug like it felt like a friend had hugged me that's the only way I can describe it um it's not a long book it took I don't know it's like three or four hours on the kindle god that's such a useless way for me to describe how long a book is I'm sorry that's really like elitist um I guess it's probably about 300 and something pages and it is also available on audiobook if you prefer to listen to books um but it's just really lovely and hells I think you would really enjoy it I really want to read it I read a um a review of it I think on twitter actually Matt Matt Haig might have retweeted it I can't remember but um yeah it sounded really interesting I do really want to read it and I think it's so true like you're always it's that classic the grass is always greener like if I'd have done this my yeah. life would be better and actually you you literally have no way of knowing that like there is no possible way that you can absolutely say your life would be better if you'd have done something else like maybe it would have been better for a short while but what if something else had happened or something else had changed I think it's it's that kind of it's the uncertainty of life isn't it and things are so yeah. changeable that it doesn't one thing being like being fixed or being different for you doesn't automatically mean happiness no exactly that's exactly it and I think at the moment when all of us are sitting here going god I'm really gutted this plan didn't work this year or this didn't happen it just felt like it was the most perfect timing for the book to be released yeah I mean there's probably a good PR angle going on there (laughs) that's a horrible skeptical thing for me to say because it sounds like an amazing book (laughs) but I think from a more like personal level it's just yeah it's very comforting read it just it makes you think, but not too deeply. It's it's a good one. I would, I would recommend. What's your second recommendation? So mine is a movie. And I had real trouble because I watched so many movies on the plane. I think I watched maybe six movies on the plane. Oh, and, wow. and then we watched a lot more um, during, during quarantine as well. So expect lots of movie recommendations over the next few episodes. Yeah. Um, but this one is called Blinded by the Light. And it came out last year. And I... I just didn't even hear about it. I completely like passed me by, but it was on the plane and it's based on a true story um, about um, a teenager, a Pakistani teenager who lives in Luton in 1987. And he writes, he writes poetry as a way to escape the intolerance of his hometown. Like he, he's subject to um like bullying racism Uh, he's got a very traditional father who wants him to follow a specific career path and marry a certain type of girl and he a classmate introduces him his name's Javid um introduces him to Bruce Springsteen and he sees these parallels between Bruce Springsteen's music and his own poetry and his own like working class environment and it's it's basically a real feel-good movie like it addresses very um very relevant issues and very poignant issues and it is a very eye-opening movie but it's also a real feel-good movie and how Springsteen's music inspires his teenager to really pursue his passions rather than being dictated by his town and the intolerance that he faces and his father's wishes and the music is great obviously um I just it I really recommend it it's not the kind of movie I would usually watch and I actually watched it because Taylor loves Bruce Springsteen and once I realized that it was based on a true story I was just really honestly blown away by it It was really really great and it's got great reviews as well so if you're looking for something that is gritty but also feel good and it's very very well portrayed in in the UK in the 80s as well it's very it's very accurately done um so I highly recommend giving that a watch I so I saw this advertised loads on Amazon Prime and I'm not a Bruce Springsteen fan so I was like this is not for me I thought it was like another one of those kind of you know they did the Queen movie and Elton John and they did 
the Beatles as well. I thought it was just like another one of those. No. Um, and I have to be honest, I was quite surprised that this is what you were recommending. I was like, oh, and I did wonder if maybe um, Taylor was a Springsteen fan and we just didn't know. Um, <laughs> that actually sounds so much more interesting than I thought it would be. I kind of wrote it off as, oh, I don't like the singer, so I won't like the movie. But actually, that sounds really interesting and really kind of cosy. Yeah, <laughs> it's not... Word it's not about Bruce Springsteen at all. It's just how his music helps this teenager kind of overcome and follow his passions. And so I think if you're not a fan of Bruce Springsteen, I don't think that should be a reason to not watch the movie. I mean, I think there's, there's like a couple of sort of sing along type of ones that they do, but they're slotted in very well to the, into the mm. kind of story that they're telling. It's not, it's not like similar, like other movies where it's kind of a, I don't know, constant, like backlog of all the songs um but yeah I would really recommend it I really enjoyed it and also it has a comedy element as well I did find myself laughing at it at certain points as well which was really nice before we move on to this fortnight's topic yes so this fortnight we wanted to discuss imposter syndrome because it's something that really does affect all of us and I think sometimes we think it goes away with age or with experience and it doesn't and actually when you experience imposter syndrome it's so horrible and it's so much more than just feeling a bit nervous like it can be so insidious in your life and affects so many different things Um, so we wanted to spend some time talking about it breaking it down and sharing some advice that we've found really helpful when we have that kind of imposter syndrome moment um and just discuss it a bit more really yeah I think it's something that I mean there's been a lot of talk about it I feel like more recently but um I was actually reading a post um from a psychologist online um I saw it on Instagram she shared it and she was talking about the origins of well not the origins of imposter syndrome because I feel like it has been around for a long time but the term was first used in 1978 in um psychology journal and the study specifically um was looking at imposter syndrome in women and obviously that doesn't mean that men don't suffer from imposter syndrome like it affects everyone but the study was specifically saying how women are a lot more prone to minimizing their achievements and thinking that it doesn't qualify them for for whatever it is that they're doing in their life at that moment, despite there being evidence to prove that they are more than qualified. And I feel like that really spoke to me. And I know we've discussed it before, but especially in relation in relation to jobs and job promotions, I think it's a really common theme for women in particular to feel that pressure to prove yourself and live up to expectations and be second guessing whether you are qualified to to do that job. When the the reality is you wouldn't have got the job if someone didn't think you were you were qualified for it. But I feel like it's such a mental it's, it's like a block, it's like a wall that can be mm. so difficult to overcome. And I don't think it's just applicable to jobs either. I mean, I think it I feel like it's something that new mothers often experience, kind of that fear of becoming a, a mum for the first time and everything that it must entail. Obviously, I'm I don't I haven't experienced that, so I don't want to put words into people's mouths, but Again, I know you've spoken about in terms of exercising as well and yeah. feeling the pressure from that. And I think it is it is something that women should talk about more because it is so widespread. 100%. It's interesting when you say that it's not just work because it's definitely affected me in my career. Like that double-edged sword of, oh, I want the promotion. I'm working hard for it. Am I good enough? Because you, you've not got that validation from the promotion, for example. You're like, am I good enough? Can I actually do this? And then you get the promotion, you go, oh my God, can I live up to the expectation? And do I actually have the experience? I'm kind of winging it and I don't know what I'm doing. And then, like you said as well, like stuff like exercise and relationships as well, I think you can kind of sometimes think like, oh God, like, really, is this me? And I've definitely had it with exercise, doing exercise classes and stuff. I'm someone who, and I think I've probably spoken about this before, like as a kid, I hated exercise, I hated PE. I didn't do PE for years. I would write notes and like forge my parents' signature. Like <laughs> it was been such a source of like outright anxiety for me for years. 
So then when I'm actually enjoying it and I'm doing a class, I'm like, oh my God, is this really like, oh God, I feel like such a fraud. I feel like I'm faking it. And then I don't enjoy it because I'm so focused on that side of things that I'm not living in the moment enough to go, well, it doesn't really matter whether I think I'm a fraud because I'm not. Um, And it's a really horrible space to be in. And I think that pressure to prove yourself, particularly in relation to work, to prove yourself, then live up to other people's expectations, but also your own expectations. I definitely find that often it's my own expectations that are set higher than anyone else's. Most people don't care as much as you think they do. <laughs> yeah, I God, I couldn't agree with that more because it's definitely, I feel the weight of my own expectations more than others. And that's that's so true. And it sounds mean, but people aren't, people don't care about you as much as you think. And I just, I don't know. I feel like it's such a difficult cycle to break though, because even when you know those things, you know that that's a fact, you know that you got the job because you're capable of doing it. You know that people don't actually care that much. And I think even in relation to specific tasks, like just what comes to mind for me, but if you're doing a presentation at work or you're speaking at an event or something like that, and there's the pressure to well, it's, it's anxiety and that self-doubt creeps in and you're like, am I qualified? Are people going to laugh at me? Am I going to trip up my words and people aren't going to think I'm, I'm good enough to be talking about this or don't know what I'm talking about? And then you just go into that cycle. And I think because of that, it always leads me to over-prepare. And then I put so much pressure on myself and I'll spend hours on it. And then I fall into the same cycle over and over again every single time because it's that fear of failure and you go into the same self-doubt cycle. And I think finding ways to break out of that, even if you recognise it, is so much harder than you think. Yeah, because it's so intrinsically linked to so many other things, like you were saying there about over-preparing and that drive for perfectionism. I'm like, am I good enough to be doing this? So then, particularly when it comes to creative stuff, I'm like, oh, but am I really good enough? Should I really be doing it? What What's my opinion worth at the end of the day? And then you're like, okay, well, if I'm going to do it, it has to be perfect. And it's never going to be perfect. And I think if anyone listening is also a perfectionist, you, you can really identify with that feeling. Of it's never actually going to be perfect. So then you're like, well, if I can't do it perfectly, am I actually good enough? And it just feeds that really negative cycle and actually identifying it and calling it what it is, which is imposter syndrome, can be really difficult to do. It's taken me years to identify when it's imposter syndrome and not just like a bit of negative self-talk or a bit of anxiety. Yeah, I mean, I still feel like I don't recognise it. I mean, when we were planning this episode before, and I'd found, again, this same psychologist, she's, she has shared, sorry, I've got my liners in, like tripping over my words, um, <laughs> this this same psychologist has shared kind of the thoughts that people have when they're in that imposter syndrome mindset. And some of them I didn't even realize were imposter syndrome. Like, so I've, I've recently started like working freelance and I managed to get three clients in a short space of time. And I, people have been saying, Oh, that's great. And I've just been saying, Oh, it was total luck. Like I just got lucky. And yeah. she's identified that as an imposter syndrome thought. And I never even considered that. I just think that's like, you be most modest, you brush it off. Like, I don't, I'm still like, oh, I should have, I should have got more or maybe I should have gone elsewhere or I should have done this. I should have done that. So I'm just there telling people that I got lucky. And I hadn't even identified that, that that is imposter syndrome. And then it wasn't until we were recording this and you said, well, no, you, you got those because you worked hard and you've got years of experience behind you that qualified for it for you. Like, it's so hard to recognize for yourself. And, and again, like another phrase that people always say, like, oh, they don't know, but I'm actually clueless or oh, I feel like mm. I'm a fraud or, oh, I don't know enough. I need a bit more training. And I think it's so easy to just say these phrases off cuff, especially in a work environment. And you don't realize that it is that negative self-talk feeding into imposter syndrome. Yeah. It's really tough. And I think we, it's like you just said, like you're, you're told to be modest and to not brag about yourself, which is fine. And I, I don't think that's necessarily always a bad thing. But then when something really great happens, it's almost then easier to brush off and go, oh, that was just luck. Like, 
when I got a promotion, I was like, well, it's only because someone else left and there was a vacancy. I mean, yeah, that facilitated an opportunity, but I didn't get the job because they'd left. Do you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, they wouldn't have offered you that job if they didn't think you were capable. Like, yes, there was a job opening, but you got it because you were qualified for it. Like, If you weren't, the job would have gone elsewhere. Like, they're not... Yeah, I think it's recognising when those negative self... Like, self-talking comes into play and realizing Mm. that yes maybe things aligned like someone leaving that post but if that was an like if that was an external job rather than a promotion you wouldn't be thinking that like no that would just be an empty vacancy and you'd be like oh this is amazing I've got a promotion because it's like an external promotion so why is it different when it's when you know the situation that's so true. I think the perfect example of imposter syndrome is you suggested the topic and I went, oh, I don't know if I can really talk about that because I think I suffer from imposter syndrome too much. Well, no, I think what you said is that I don't feel like I have all the answers to it. <laughs> I, was like, I think that is the very root of imposter syndrome because ultimately no one ever has all the answers. The whole point is like we want, just like everything with this podcast, we want to talk about these issues, not because we have the answers to them, but because we experience them and other people do too. And I do feel like it is a more uniquely female experience to, f- to feel like this and to have this kind of second guessing and when you should be modest and you shouldn't brag. And that I just feel like that that's not, that's not reflected in like the male experience in a workplace. Obviously that's a sweeping generalization. I know that's not true for everyone, but I do think if you have these experiences and they're not being spoken about, how can you ever kind of grow and improve from them if you don't open up that discussion with other people? Well, it's true as well, because I think sometimes it happens when you get something you've worked for for a really long time, because so much of like working hard for something is struggling and pushing forward when kind of the, not even the odds are against you, but when there's other things you need to overcome. And one of my friends, I'm going to keep this vague, but I don't think they'll mind me sharing the story, but one of my friends um had worked really hard for a long period of time to get into a master's program like for years like there was loads of stuff going on they worked really hard they got into it and it was brilliant like and we were chatting and they were like but I almost feel like I'm not worthy like I've worked for it for so long that now it's here it was almost that thing of like you can't believe it's here and you can't believe it's actually happening and you almost go oh me and like, I know I had that when I moved in with Alex, like anyone who follows me on Instagram or knows me personally, um, will know, like, that's been a bloody long time in the works. And there's <laughs> been a lot of stuff to overcome. So when it happened, I was like, really, do I get this? Like, is this right? Is this fair? Like, it's just landed on my lap. And I had to have a bit of a w- word with myself and be like, okay, for a start, it's not landed on your lap. Even if it had landed in your lap, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't be allowed to enjoy it. Um, but you can't just, I think with imposter syndrome, we look at the situation as it is sometimes and go, how am I able to do this? Like, how am I fortunate enough to be doing this? And we almost discredit the work we've put in before and the time we've put in before to get to that point. I feel, uh, yeah, I feel like it's really that mindset of, because you put so much work in and you're second guessing whether you're worthy, you're almost waiting for for it to go wrong or for someone to tell you that oh there's a mistake and actually you don't get this and I think yes yes 100% yeah I think part of breaking the whole cycle is like recognizing that you've achieved it and just stopping and enjoying it like saying this is for me like you should always and we said this before like when you got the promotion and you're saying obviously you're you're really kind of apprehensive about sharing about it because obviously so many people are struggling with their jobs at the moment have lost jobs, have been furloughed, are, like their livelihoods are being uh, hanging in the balance and you feel bad for celebrating a win for you. But I feel like that has to be part of breaking the imposter syndrome cycle. You have to celebrate those wins because yeah. you haven't just achieved something out of thin air. Like it's, it's something that's for you and you need to, you need to mark that and celebrate that. Yeah, totally these you kind of have to almost take try and it's so difficult to do and it's something I'm actively trying to do more of but take that step out and be more objective and almost say if my friend was 
experiencing this, would I be sitting there going, yeah, mate, you were just lucky there? Or, yeah, you're right, you probably haven't worked for it. No, I wouldn't. I'd be calling it as it is and going, no, you worked hard. Like like I did with you when you were like, oh, I got these clients through luck. I was like, no, you work bloody hard. And you need to extend that kind of compassion to yourself a bit and go, oh, actually, no, it's not luck. Like, there might be an element of luck and good fortune, but actually, you're completely qualified. You're able to do it, all of those things. And if you wouldn't say it to your friends, why are you saying it to yourself? That's so true. And I think, and I always actually remember when I told you guys about my previous job before going to Australia um, and about a year before I left that, I got a promotion um, to like an executive role and I was managing someone as well. And I had the worst, I think that's the worst imposter syndrome I've ever experienced in my life because I was constantly just, I mean, I wasn't in a great place anyway. And I feel like I was constantly negative talking myself and I would almost psych myself up, but in a negative way each day, like talking in my mind about what was going to go wrong, like how I was going to fail at this, how I was going to fail at that. And it wasn't until I kind of, because I, I got that role when I was what, 23, like I was a manager and I was 23 or 24, whatever it was. And I felt like my age meant that I wasn't qualified. And it wasn't until I spoke to you guys and you kind of reframed that and were like, no, you became a manager at 23. Like that's, why are you not seeing that as an achievement rather than something that's ready to go wrong? And now I look mm. back and I see that and I'm like, God, I should be really proud of that. Like I, I was, someone thought that I had manager capabilities when I was 23 years old. Like I, sh- I should be proud of that. And that's something that I am proud of now. But it is so hard to see it in the ta- like in the moment when you're in it. And I think yeah. we really want to share kind of these ways to manage imposter syndrome. And I think the, the biggest one for me is being able to talk about it because it's not until you get that outside perspective that you really see it for, for the achievement or the milestone that it is. Yeah, totally. I think when you... It's like anything, when you say it out loud, so much of like the scary part of it is taken away, like the power yeah. of it is taken away. And as soon as you were saying like, oh, I got the client through luck, I was thinking, what? Like, all I can see is that you've taken a huge leap, you've worked bloody hard and you're rightly so getting what you deserve. And I think having those conversations and almost having... I don't mean this in like a, oh, like someone else do it for me, but like having your friends call you out on it and go, no, that's not true. Yeah. Or actually, no, you are qualified. Like why, why would someone give you a promotion if you weren't ready? Like, how does that help them? Like they're not doing you a favor. Life isn't doing you a favor. You've got to work things. And I think that talking about it and having that kind of mindset of they've not like giving you a handout is really helpful for me definitely going why do I think someone's just sitting there doing it for the sake of it because they're not yeah definitely I think another really important way to try and manage it as well is like recognizing the difference between your like thoughts and feelings and then the actual facts Mm. like like you were just saying how would it help someone to give you a promotion like how how does it help your boss to give you a promotion if you're not ready for it like yeah the basic facts are that you've got this qualification, that qualification, you've got this amount of experience that on paper makes you qualified for the job. So why are you letting these other thoughts creep in and tell you otherwise? Exactly. Like I think sometimes when we feel things, it can feel so powerful and it can, you can think, God, that's like my gut reaction and that's the truth. And just because you think something doesn't mean it's true. Yeah. I think that's, generally that's especially if you're someone who is a bit of a perfectionist is a worrier someone who does have anxiety that can be really hard and it's something I really struggle with to kind of break down and say no just because I think it isn't true um but it leads back to that thing of what are the facts here and what are the just the negative self-talk that I've tried to convince myself is a fact yeah that's yeah, that's so true. I think being able to recognise your negative self-talk is, it, it, it's not easy to do. I feel like it's almost, you have to train yourself to be able to see when you're doing it, but it makes it so much easier when you can separate it and kind of in your brain say, no, stop. This is, yeah. this is not helpful for me to be thinking this way right now. 
I think another thing as well, and this is something that I've I've been trying to do for a little while, and it's difficult. Like I'm going to put it out there, and it's not something that I think is simple to start, but trying to think of like the positive outcomes as well. I'm someone who always jumps to the negative and thinks, oh my God, I'm doing this presentation and what if I've got like this huge typo on a slide that I haven't seen, even though I've checked it 10 times? Or what if I like accidentally like put in a random slide with a swear word on it? All these ridiculous things that are obviously not true. <laughs> to that like worst case, I'm like, oh my God, what if midway through my internet breaks and no one can hear me and all that? Whereas actually... It's so much better to go, okay, what if I give a really great presentation and I get really great feedback? What if someone finds this presentation really helpful? What if it really raises my status within the company? And trying to focus on those like positive things because they're just as likely, if not more likely, than the often random and horrible worst case scenarios that we jump to in our heads. Like it's a natural human reaction to prepare for the worst. Like you want to be prepared for a situation, but it's kind of like an ancient part of your brain that now you have to retrain and trying to see the positive outcome instead can go some way to kind of stopping the fear, I think. Yeah, because I think part of that is what you said earlier. Like people don't actually care that much. Like if you mm. stum- if you stumble over a word or you have a typo, chances are people probably won't notice or if they do, they probably don't care. And also the really important thing to remember from that is that people do want you to succeed like it's very unlikely that there are people in a room who are actively hoping that you fail that's it's very very unlikely if you are surrounded by friends or colleagues that you get on with or people at work that you get on with and know well what are the actual chances that they're wishing for you to fail it's it's probably none so I think you should see it as a positive and that these people are, if anything, rooting for you to to succeed and do well in this presentation or, or whatever it is, or an exercise class, or no no one's willing you to fail in an exercise class. Like, do you know what I mean? No. no one wants you to as well. I guess that's the other thing, like whether it's an exercise class, whether it's a presentation, whether it's like a relationship, whatever it is, the people who are involved in that they don't need to fail because it's more hassle for them. Like it doesn't reflect well on them. It doesn't, you know, it's not, it, A, it's not a good thing to be putting that kind of thing out there into the universe, I don't think. But it's also not like, it doesn't reflect well on them. Like if if you go to an exercise class and you can't keep up, the instructor's not going to be sitting there thinking, oh my God, what a failure. They're going to be thinking, shit, did I do this wrong? Like, how it's not all about you and I mean in the best way and that's what I keep trying to remind myself yeah and I think probably going back to your recommendation actually a really good way to try and start breaking that cycle if if you recognize that you you do suffer from imposter syndrome or that kind of negative self-talk that feeds into your anxiety I think using an app like presently or just or a diary or whatever you have just write down a small accomplishment each day it doesn't have to be a job promotion or a presentation at work or anything like that it could be that you've you've done an exercise class or you've completed a youtube yoga video or it could just be that you you walked an extra i don't know 500 meters this evening or something like that i think learning to recognize and reward your accomplishments on a daily basis kind of builds those foundational building blocks to then recognizing and rewarding your accomplishments for those bigger things in life like those big milestones Mm, definitely and it just makes you a bit more I guess it makes you more resilient and it's easier to recognize it and go and by the same measure if then it does go wrong and it does all blow up in your face going okay rather than oh my god that was such a disaster and using that to fuel imposter syndrome in the future yeah I guess it goes back to that like you don't need to instantly learn from a failure but yeah. knowing that it's it's going to be a stepping stone to help you learn from it or succeed further down the line, being able to frame it like that, even if you can't see what that success or kind of benefit is further down the line, but saying, okay, this has happened, this has gone wrong. I'm going to be able to learn from it and I'm going to do it this way next time. Or I'm going to try and, I don't know, talk about it with my friends a bit more and work out, I don't know, work out a different way to overcome it or a different way to frame yeah. it. I think whatever it is learning from something if it does go wrong 
is is another way that you can really help to overcome that imposter syndrome because even if the worst happens you still overcame it like you you survived that's the thing isn't it in the worst like I saw a thing the other week on Instagram it's like a little quote thing it's like you've survived every single one of your worst days and I was like that's a bit cheesy I thought about it and I was like no it's true like the worst day of your life you have survived yeah now I saw another one the other day that I thought was really cheesy but actually maybe you sent it no you didn't send it to me someone else did ignore that but um and I thought it was really cheesy but it was really true and it's saying you don't have to be perfect like everyone everyone had a first podcast everyone everyone had a first job everyone wrote a first blog post everyone had their first I don't know their first promotion or I can't remember what the exact phrasing was but it's basically saying you're not going to be perfect on your 50th version if you never started your first one that's so true yeah and I think especially if you are a perfectionist that's such a big problem because when you start something you want to be perfect the first time and you don't want to fail you don't want to let other people down you don't want to let yourself down because of those standards that you hold yourself to but actually how are you ever going to be perfect or well known in your niche or your field or whatever it is whatever your goal is we all know you don't achieve success overnight unless you're a randomly very lucky person with a lot of money I don't know but it takes practice and yeah our first podcast episodes probably weren't all that but look where we are now look at what we're doing now and I think it's so important to recognize that journey and that growth as part of your entire learning process as well I completely agree I think that wraps up really nicely for this fortnight though I felt like it ended up being really cyclical, which was nice, given that we didn't plan that at all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it when that kind of thing happens. But we hope that you guys have found this helpful as well. And if you are someone who is suffering from imposter syndrome in whatever part of their life, because I, I don't think it's linear. I don't think it's something that only affects you at one point. It ebbs and flows. Um, I hope this has been really helpful. And you can always get in touch with us and share your thoughts on this or any of our other topics at our email address, which is growthinprogresspod at gmail.com. Or you can reach out to us on Instagram, which is at growthinprogresspod. And if you have enjoyed this episode, it would mean the absolute world if you could subscribe and leave us a five-star rating and a review. It does make a huge amount of difference. And we're pretty sure it's why we have seen the growth we have seen in the past few weeks for the podcast. So we're really grateful to everyone who has been doing that. Um, But for now, stay safe, stay well, wherever you are in the world. And we will speak to you in a couple of weeks time. Bye. Bye.